You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to be in Genesis 50, and if you thought I was going to say Genesis 49, you know, I didn't. So, congratulations. We were in Genesis 49 for... Um, a number of weeks, uh, probably more than I anticipated. And honestly, I could have started in Genesis 49 today, um, but I didn't want to revolt here this morning. And so we're going to start at Genesis 50, refer to Genesis 49 um, as we start. If you found it, go ahead and stand in honor of reading of the scripture here this morning. And uh, we, will, we will just refer, let me give you context here. This is after Jacob has blessed his sons. He's gone through every one of his sons given them a blessing and, or, or a challenge or um, in some ways a rebuke for some of them. And, and then he comes, it, the Bible uh, basically says after he gave the blessing to his sons there in chapter 49, verse. see I couldn't help it, I had to refer to it. Chapter 49, verse 33, it says, And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. So, after the blessing, Jacob dies. And I don't want to look past that. That's a big moment. We've, we've been talking about Jacob since the early 2000s in this series <laughs> for a while. Uh, we've been talking about him for a while. And I don't want to just skip over the fact that he dies in this passage. And actually, this passage really uh, gives us two deaths of major characters we'll see as we get into Genesis 50. Um, let's look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 1. It says, and Joseph fell on upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel. And 40 days were fulfilled for him. I mean, this is pretty incredible if you think about it. These are, these are Jews. I mean, they're Israelites living in Egypt. But because of the respect that people have for Joseph... They take serious time, the Egyptians do, to both take care of Jacob's body and then to mourn for him. I mean, over a month, and then we'll see that not just that, there, there are a lot of them that get involved in the funeral procession into Canaan because Jacob, by the way, had asked his sons to take him back to Canaan and bury him in Canaan. That's where the promises of God lie. And he knew that. He didn't give up on God's promises just because he was dying. Look at verse, uh, verse t- 3 again. And 40 days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him three score and ten days. That's 70 days they mourned for Jacob. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die. In my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan, there shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father, according as he made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. It says all the servants of Pharaoh. Uh, I'm sure there were some left behind, but, it, but the point here is that this was a large 
procession of people. This is how much of a difference Joseph had made in Egypt. Pharaoh is sending his servants to go all the way to Canaan. I mean, all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. This is a significant company. And all the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan. There they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. They get there, and he made a mourning for his father seven days. Once they get there, they mourn for another week. I mean, this is quite the spectacle. Um, And by the way, I mean, in our culture, uh, you have a service, and people almost expect you to be done mourning by the end of a service. I don't know how healthy that is, frankly. I mean, mourning, really, if we're going to deal with our grief, it's okay for it to last a while. I'm not saying that life goes on hold, but they put, they put everything on hold to, to honor this man, Jacob, for quite a while. Verse 11, and when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, this is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians, uh, wherefore the name, of it, uh, the name of it was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons did, that basically just means a meadow or a field of the Egyptians is what that means. And his sons did unto him according as he commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for a possession of a burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. And I really wanted to deal with the death of Jacob but we're just going to talk about it in passing till we get, uh, so we can get to the next point that I believe God wants us to get for today. And Joseph returned into Egypt. He and his brethren and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And here's where the story for today begins. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us All the evil which we did unto him. They're scared. They're projecting how they would act onto Joseph. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph. They didn't even go to him themselves saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sins, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. I believe he's probably hurt that they would assume he would be like they were. Verse 18, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. These words are incredible. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Sounds a lot like last last Sunday night's message out of the book of James. You know, we aren't the lawgivers. We're not the judges. Uh, There's one God, and you're not him. Verse 20, but as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. What grace from Joseph. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived 110 years. So this is 
60 to 70 years later after all this, maybe, I don't know exactly how old um, Joseph, uh, you know, how long um, after the first part of the story that Joseph dies, but Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees, so he sees his great-grandchildren. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land and to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. There's those verses, verse, verses 19, 20, and 21 are the ones we'll focus on today. And there may not be a more helpful truth to God's people when we face the difficulties of life than the thing that we're dealing with today. And it, it's a sobering thought, and yet I think it's one that's going to be a very encouraging thought. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Long before that verse was written, Joseph believed it. His life was a puzzle. We're going to use puzzles today. His life was a puzzle and he couldn't always see where each piece went. I've got a little piece of a puzzle that I'm going to use today just to remind you about the times in our lives that we don't see how the piece fits into the big picture. And Joseph had countless pieces just like this. And when you're handed a piece and you don't know where it fits into the puzzle, you have two choices. You can, number one, either assume that this is the wrong piece for the wrong puzzle and there's a mistake that's being made, or you can trust that a providential God has a plan for your life and he can fit this piece into your big, the big picture of what he wants to do with your life. Here's the thought today. Here's what, what to do when there's a problematic puzzle piece. When you get handed a piece of the puzzle that you just don't know where it fits. Uh, some thoughts that I think will help us when that happens. Because whether or not we believe it, it's going to happen. There will be times where we're handed a piece we can't figure out where it fits. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. And already we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for allowing us to be here. I pray that you'd help us to tune in. And God, please help us to be free from distraction because this truth really makes a difference. And every truth does. But I, I just am passionate, Lord, today that we get this one. And help us, Lord, to be focused today. Help our minds to not wander. Help our bodies to, uh, to be willing to sit still and listen. And that you would just really do a work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I, I read a story um, in the last couple of weeks about a grandpa who was at home and He's trying to do a puzzle, and, and for many, puzzles have been on my mind a lot this week. I was just uh, looking at a puzzle that I have in my office from Brother George Ellis. Uh, you know, he was a big puzzle guy, and they handed out, it's good to see Darcy and John back there, and he handed out puzzles, and I still have it in my office. I'm thankful for it as a reminder of a faithful man of God at Eastside here for a long time, Brother George. And, and so this, this grandpa uh, is trying to put a puzzle together, and and he can't even get started. You know how it is? Sometimes when you start a puzzle, what do you start with? You start with the borders, right? You start with the edges. Well, he couldn't even, he just couldn't even figure out how to get started. No two pieces were going together. And, 
And so he calls his grandson. His grandson is a little, you know, in his, in his older teens. And he calls his grandson and says, you know, I really need some help with this puzzle. Is, is there a way you could help? And his grandson says, well, uh, what's it supposed to be? What's the picture supposed to be of? And he says, well, it's supposed to be a, a tiger. And, and he says, and I just can't even figure out where to start. So um, the grandson says, okay, I'll be right over. I'll come help you with it. So he gets there and he's looking at the pieces and he's looking at the box. And, and uh, the grandson says, okay, first, number one, grandpa, um, number one, this puzzle is going to be impossible. It will not work. Maybe he's an encouraging grandson, okay? Second, he says, let's just get a cup of coffee and relax. And, and then whenever, after we've relaxed, um, I think maybe then we could put all the frosted flakes back <laughs> into the box. Um, okay, that's, that's a joke, obviously. But don't you ever, do you ever feel that way when in life? It's like, I mean, you dump all the pieces out and you see the pieces and you're trying to figure out where they go and you're like, this is not going to work. None of these pieces fit together. Well, if they're frosted flakes, obviously, they're not going to fit together. But, you know, our family, we enjoy puzzle, puzzles and our basement walls are full of uh, really decorated with puzzles that we've done over the years. It's usually something we do during the holidays. But I've observed a few things about putting puzzles together uh, that are, I believe, are universal truths about puzzles. Um, number one is you will inevitably be missing pieces when you get to the end of the puzzle, especially if you have children. Uh, so you might as well, from the very beginning, open the box, take two pieces, and just throw them away because they're going to disappear. So you just get it out of the way right off, okay? Yeah. Second, if you don't have a picture of what the puzzle is supposed to look like, you might as well never start. Because if you don't know what you're shooting for, what you're aiming for, you will not get there. That, that, I mean, that's one thing that our family does. But, you know, it's amazing how putting a puzzle um, together can become an exercise in competition. But we're a pretty competitive family when it comes to puzzling. You want to be able to say, I put this together. This is more than the next person. So when you're doing that and you're putting a puzzle together, then you're kind of jockeying over who gets to look at the box. You know, where the box sits so you can see it. And sometimes they'll put a poster inside the box so that you have two things to compare. And, and that helps a little bit. But everyone has to be able to see the picture if you're going to put the puzzle together. Another truth that I've noticed is there will be certain pieces that you are convinced are not part of your puzzle. I mean, there are times where maybe you spend hours and you've got one piece in your hand and you're thinking... There's no way this one fits. I mean, the colors, there's nothing on the box that is this color. And, and, and I don't see how this shape fits in with anything else. The manufacturer made a mistake. They put the wrong piece in this box. This is for a different puzzle. It does not fit anywhere. You say, well, there's no, you know, there's no white. There's no white piece on the puzzle. There's no way. And sometimes the, the color variant is different from the box to the piece that you're holding. And, and you're just thinking, there's no way. I, this is never going to work. You know, puzzles are equal parts fun and, and equal parts frustration, aren't they? 
And when you finally, though, figure out, maybe you've held a piece in your hand for who knows how long, and when you finally figure out where it goes and those two pieces click together, I mean, it's a dopamine rush. I mean, I'm telling you, it feels really good, doesn't it? But until you figure it out, you just want to throw the whole thing away. You know, if that's not a picture of life, I don't know what is. Because life is a puzzle. And there are countless pieces that form the big picture. But sometimes you have no idea how one piece that you've been handed fits into the bigger picture. I mean, some people in this room have been handed puzzle pieces and and you're thinking there's no way this one fits into the big picture. I mean, when your car breaks down and you're, you're still again and you're still paying for the last time it broke down. Or when you get a report from the doctor and it's not the news that you were expecting. Or when there's an argument or a misunderstanding and you lose a relationship that was important to you. Or when your boss, your boss calls and he says, we have to do some layoffs and we have to start with you. Or when you lose somebody that you love unexpectedly. Listen, there will be times that you're handed pieces and it might make you think, this is the wrong puzzle. This is the wrong box. This doesn't fit. Uh, And when it doesn't fit, you start to question not only the piece, but you start to question the big picture itself. Because we have our ideas, don't we? We have our ideas of what the box is supposed to look like. And and if if this piece, if it doesn't fit, then there's no way I'm going to get that picture. And if anybody could have claimed to have been handed the wrong pieces of the puzzle in life, it was Joseph. I mean, the picture on the box, he got from God himself there in Genesis chapter 37. God revealed to him in a dream that one day he would reign and his family would bow down and and kneel to him. And that wasn't Joseph being an arrogant little brother. That revelation was from God himself. That was a picture. It was a glimpse into his future. That was the picture on Joseph's box. So Joseph had a picture in mind. And in his mind, the picture looks really good. Because someday, God's going to do that with me. And I'm excited that I can make a difference somehow in a big way. That's the picture on his box. And you know what? He did end up reigning. He did end up ruling. But the pieces he got handed along the way, he would have never thought would have equaled the picture on the box. Like when his brothers sold him as a slave. Can you imagine that? I mean, many of you in here have been betrayed by somebody close. Or you've been betrayed by even family or friends. And you're thinking, man, I can't even imagine uh, what it would be like to have my own brothers throw me in a pit and sell me as a slave. Can you imagine Joseph looking at the big picture? I remember the box uh, that God gave him and saying, okay, where, where 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 does this piece fit? I can't figure it out. Or when he's just trying to be faithful in Potiphar's house and and Potiphar's wife accuses him of trying to sexually assault her and he gets thrown in prison. How do you think Joseph rectified while he's sitting in a prison cell, rectified that piece of the puzzle with the picture on the box of his family bowing down to him? He's like, that's over. Or when he was thrown in prison and then for years forgotten about, even by the butler later on. How does that... I mean, how does that piece fit? In our finite wisdom, it doesn't fit. But see, Joseph didn't think like most of us. 
And, and I, I'm not saying that Joseph was perfect. I'm not saying that Joseph never had times of weakness. But we know that Joseph was a man of faith. And that means that every time he was handed a piece that didn't fit, instead of getting angry and instead of throwing in the towel and giving in to despair, he chose to focus on the puzzle maker instead of the problematic piece. See, Joseph was able to look at the problems, the problem pieces, and keep his eyes on the puzzle maker. See, we're all faced with this question. Can I trust the puzzle maker when a piece doesn't fit? See, here's the thing. In that moment, you will have to weigh God's providence against that moment in time. You're going to have to come to terms with the providence of God, the ability of God, the sovereignty of God to handle this situation. You're going to have to compare it to the piece that doesn't fit. And when I say the providence of God, that, that comes from two words. Pro and vid are the two main, main words in that. Pro means before. Vid, like vision or video, it means to see. So you know what it means? When we say God's providence, we are saying that God sees before. God sees around the corners. God doesn't just see the moment in the parade. He sees the parade from beginning to end. He sees all of it. He is provident. And if you believe what the Bible teaches about providence, then that means you believe God has oversight of the universe. He upholds all things. He governs all things. He directs everything to, his appointed, to its appointed end. And he does it always for his own glory. That's God's providence. And we heard a great devotion this morning out of Matthew 6 from Colin Creeble, just talking about how God takes care of our needs when we don't know how. And, and, and that idea in Matthew 6 is basically this. Take no thought, which means don't be anxious, because you have a heavenly Father that knoweth the needs that you have before you even know those needs are there. And if you believe in God's providence, it ought to change your life. Listen, if you believe in God's providence, there are three things about God's providence that, that somebody else wrote or, or I'd maybe adapted these, but they're so good. If you believe God's providence, then you believe that God cares about the tiniest details of our lives. If you believe in God's providence, then you believe that God cares about the tiniest details of our lives. In Matthew 6, again, uh, Jesus said, that, Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? I mean, do you honestly think that God sees your need, the smallest to the biggest, every need that you have, and doesn't care? No, he does. The tiniest detail of your life is something God is concerned with. If you believe in God's providence, number two, you believe that he uses everything and he wastes nothing. He uses everything and he wastes nothing. I mean, God is the great recycler. Meaning that nothing goes to waste with God. Everything that happens in our life happens for a reason. And he's always able to use what happens in our life for something that benefits us. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Listen, God, if you believe in God's providence, then you believe that God cares about the tiniest details of life. And number two, that he uses everything and he wastes nothing. Number three, if you believe in God's providence, then you believe that God's ultimate purpose is to shape us into the image of his son. 
I mean, Romans 8, 28 talks about the, the, uh, for all things work together for good to them that love God. Romans 8, 29 says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. It is God's will for your life and mine and everybody that lives on earth, not just to, not just to help good come out of bad, but, for, so that the, but that the bad that becomes good will help us be more like his son. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be like Jesus Christ. The ultimate purpose for your life. If you've come in here wondering, I mean, what is life about? What am I supposed to do with life? I mean, where's my, what's my purpose? What's my aim? What's my goal? The, God's purpose for your life. I can tell you this without hesitation because it applies to every one of us. God's purpose for your life is to be like Jesus Christ. He cares about every detail. He uses everything and he wastes nothing. And his goal, his purpose for your life is to be like his son. He can take the pieces that you don't know where they fit. And he wants to do something beneficial in your life with them. God is provident. He cares about our lives. Now he doesn't tempt us to sin. We know that based on James. But he does allow us to be tested. Just like he allowed Job to be tested. But his intention is never to destroy us, but to make us stronger so we can be like his son and bring him glory. Listen, folks, we must learn in every situation to focus on the providence of the puzzle maker instead of the problematic pieces. We must learn in every situation, no matter how hard it is, to focus on the providential puzzle maker instead of the problematic pieces at some point in our lives we have to learn that God's providence is greater than our problems Joseph believed it that means that at every step and I want you to think about this at every step along the way Joseph in his mind thought well this is this is God do, God's doing God has a meaning for this moment see that's what he says to his brothers he says you thought it evil against me but God meant it all for good what he was saying is that you had your meaning and your meaning was to destroy me. Your meaning was to make my life hard. Your meaning was to make my life miserable. But God meant for everything that I faced to turn into something good. And he did because he preserved our people. He saved us. And look at all that God has turned this into. Your meaning was bad. God's meaning was good. And every step along the way, Joseph believed that. Now, you know what that means? That means that at just the right moment, in Joseph's mind, at just the right moment, his brothers threw him into a well. That means in Joseph's mind, at exactly the right time, those Midianites came along and bought him as a slave. I mean, this is his mindset, okay? I, I knew, listen, I, I, Joseph was the ultimate optimist. Because I'd be like, I mean, I'd be writing a blog about all the things that happened to me. I mean, you know, valleys of darkness. <laughs> Joseph's like, God's providence. <laughs> At just the right time, brothers, you threw me into a pit. Thanks. At just the right moment, those Midianites came along and bought me. I'm so glad they did. I mean, at just the right point in time, they, they sold me to Potiphar. I mean, I was a slave in Potiphar's house. And yeah, it wasn't easy, but it was at just the exact right time. Potiphar's wife accused me of assault. At just the right moment, um, the butler forgot about me there in prison. I spent years in prison, but you know, I needed to be there. 
I mean, it was only uh, at the right time that, that Pharaoh brought me out. I don't know why I needed to be in prison, but I had to be in prison for that length of time so that I could meet the butler, and the butler would remember me, and Pharaoh would call me up, and I stood there exactly at the right time. And, and Pharaoh promoted me to prime minister exactly when he should have. And by the way, you know, Jacob, our father, he sent you guys to Egypt at just the right time. It was God's timing and God's plan for me to meet you guys and you all not recognize me. Remember that? Where I threw you into prison? <laughs> Sorry, can't think that way. Remember just the right moment that Pharaoh said, hey, yeah, let your family come here. And he gave us the land of Goshen. And it, could have happened, it couldn't have happened any earlier for us to settle than when we did. And, and what I'm saying is, you know, that, that every part, every step along the way, brothers, every step along the way, the great puzzle maker was throwing these pieces at me. And I was saying, this doesn't fit. And I couldn't figure out where it went. But then I remembered, I've got a providential puzzle maker. And he's way bigger than the problematic pieces. See, Joseph so completely trusted the puzzle maker that he never got hung up on the pieces. And maybe he said, I don't know how this fits into the big picture right now, but I'm going to set it aside. I'll just have to let God figure it out. And maybe he said, this looks like a piece from the wrong puzzle, but I trust the puzzle maker, so I'm just going to wait to see how he works it out. I can't see how this color fits anywhere on the box, but I know the puzzle maker, and I do know that he never makes mistakes. See, when you trust the puzzle maker, instead of focusing on the problematic pieces, it changes everything about your response to trouble. I want to give you three truths about trusting the puzzle maker when you're handed a problematic piece. And I really believe that, it, that these are, these are life-altering truths because these are the kinds of things that get us as human beings every day. Okay, when you trust the puzzle maker, instead of focusing on the problematic pieces, uh, first... No loss is too big to overcome. No loss is too big to overcome. See, think about Joseph's losses. I mean, he lost years with his father. He lost time with his family. I mean, over 20 years that he didn't see Jacob, his father. Can you imagine the sins of loss? Uh, you've, when you've missed out on so much. I mean, some of you have been separated by space or by, by, by uh, distance from family members and friends and or maybe at, at, at an important part in your life an important point in your life you moved and and everyone else kind of was where they were and you moved and you look back and they have memories that you weren't part of and it feels there's a sense of loss or maybe in your life there's a relationship that you had at one point and it got and it, it was kind of broken at some point and you look back on that relationship and, and there's a sense of loss because of the memories that you lost. I mean, all of us have those things in our lives. And it, we have a sense of loss. And it's hard not to focus on what you've lost. I mean, Joseph suffered loss. I mean, in this very passage, he loses his dad. But he doesn't give up on God. The brothers honor Jacob by burying him in Canaan because that's where the promises are and they want to honor that. That's where God's going to bless the nation. But I don't want to miss the fact that Joseph's loss, his loss, didn't bring him away from God's promises. They drew him closer to God's promises. See, here's the problem. Too many people, when they face loss, they throw in the proverbial towel. 
You know what they say? I, I'm a Christian. I'm God's child. If he loved me, he wouldn't allow me to go through these losses. I wouldn't have had to deal with this or deal with that trouble or deal with that loss. And we throw in the towel. And instead of focusing on the fact that the great providential puzzle maker has a plan for our lives, we let the problematic pieces get us off course. And instead of when we suffer loss, instead of drawing nigh to God, we pull away from God. Listen, the losses are hard and by faith, but faith means that, that in the middle of the pain of the loss, you still have faith in God's providence. God's providence is greater than pain. And if you really believe that he cares about every detail and you believe that he wastes nothing and that he uses everything and you believe that he's got a big plan for your life and that he can turn your losses to make you into something more like him, then we should stop focusing on the problematic piece and trust the puzzle maker, even when there's loss. No, when you do that, there's no loss too big to overcome. Number two, when you trust the puzzle maker, there's no wrong too great to forgive. There's no wrong too great to forgive. See, after burying their father, his brothers come in desperation and they're begging for mercy. They just know that J Joseph is going to take him out now that Jacob's off the scene. And, and they're thinking, well, he's going to be like us. That's what we would do. But Joseph's hurt because that's not how he is. And I love his answer in verse 17. Look at it. Verse, chapter 50, verse 17. So shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brethren and their, and their sin, for they did unto, unto the evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake, spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? Listen, when you keep your eyes on the puzzle maker you're far less likely to seek revenge. When you keep your eyes on the fact that God is in control, he cares about the details, he wastes nothing and uses everything, and everything that happens to me, can, I can be turned or transformed into the image of his son through the losses. Listen, if that's what God is doing, then I have no right to take matters into my own hands and seek revenge on those who've hurt me. I mean, the puzzle maker, if you will focus on him, you will realize he's a better God than you. And it is his job to right wrongs, not yours. Let the creator and judge of the universe take care of those that have wronged you. I mean, verse 20, what Joseph says, he says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass it is as it is this day to save much people alive. See, the puzzle maker allowed this. What he's saying is the puzzle maker allowed this on purpose. This was part of the picture. You threw me in the pit at just the right time because God was preserving our people and this was his plan to do it. See, when you focus on the puzzle maker, you realize that he can bring something good out of something bad. Joseph believes that all things work together for good. Look at verse 21. God, uh, sorry, verse 21. Now therefore fear you not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Listen, when you focus on the puzzle maker, first, you're far less likely to seek revenge. Second, um, you realize God can bring something good out of something bad. But third, then you, you, return, you return bad treatment with godly treatment. 
And it doesn't matter. When you're focused on the puzzle maker, it gives you the ability, even when somebody's done something terrible to you, or somebody's betrayed you, or somebody's said something about you, or done something that you don't like, then you can tell, listen, if you're focused on God's providence, then it makes it possible for you to treat them like God would treat them instead of returning the same kind of treatment they gave to you. You can tell that somebody's focused on God's providence when they're kind to those that have wronged them. We, we have, listen, when you focus on the puzzle maker, it removes revenge from your mind and it reminds you that God can bring good out of something bad and it releases grace for you to treat others better than you've been treated. It enables you to forgive. It removes the hurt from your heart and it transfers it to God. It gives you the ability to say, this is yours, God. This is yours, puzzle maker. Do with it what you will. See, I think we all know too many people, or maybe you're one of those too many people that are crippled by bitterness and unforgiveness. And it's because they've forgotten or they never realized that God cares about every detail and he wastes nothing and he uses everything. And that he can take even the toughest situation that somebody means for evil in your life and he can benefit you through it. If you will keep your eyes on the puzzle maker, it'll help you forgive when you've been treated terribly. Notice one more benefit that comes when you focus on the puzzle maker. And these are the last three verses of the book. Verse 24, it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and he shall carry up my bones from thence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, this is interesting. Um, Joseph's life ends there in Egypt, and, and we know that based on what happens a, a couple hundred years later, a few hundred years later, that when Egypt is, or Israel is released out of Egypt to go back to Canaan, I'll spit it out at some point. When that happens, they carry Joseph's bones with them on the way. Now, don't you think Joseph would have said, I, I really want to go right now. I mean, I'm going to die, take me to Canaan right now. Don't you think that's what he probably would have preferred? I mean, I think so. But here's the thing. Joseph's life did, didn't turn out the way he thought it would. And his death didn't turn out the way he thought it would. I mean, this is not, I guarantee you, this is not how he ever envisioned he would die. He thought he would be in Canaan. He thought he would be in the promised land. He thought everything would be great. And yet this is different than what he planned. And see, this leads to the third truth when you trust the puzzle maker. See, some might call this disappointment. But when you focus on the the puzzle maker, it means this. No disappointment cancels God's promises. There's no disappointment that you face that undoes everything God has ever done in your life. But isn't that how we react sometimes? When things don't go our way or when trouble comes and we're disappointed, man, we just like throw in the towel. We assume God, none of God's promises are true. We assume that God is done working with us, that God doesn't care about us. But notice Joseph didn't say, I'm dying in Egypt. Nothing else matters. I'm done with God. No, he didn't say, this wasn't the picture on my box. No, he said, my life may not end up the way I thought it would, but God's promises are still intact. See, Joseph's focus on the puzzle maker, it allowed him to be okay with whatever picture God decided for his life. 
See, when you focus on the puzzle maker, then you lose all sense of expectation of your own expectation. And you simply say, God, whatever it is that you want. And when that's your mindset, then it becomes impossible for you to be disappointed about anything. Because it's not your plan. It's not your will. It's God is the one. He's the puzzle maker deciding what picture goes on the box. Here's the thing. If you believe God is provident, you'll be willing to accept his will for your life because you know that his plan is always best. God's plans are never a disappointment. I mean, disappointment, uh, disappointment never cancels God's promises. Because you know he cares about every detail. And you know that he uses everything and he wastes nothing. And you have confidence that what's happening is part of his plan for your good. And that means, friends, that no loss is too big to overcome. And no wrong is too great to forgive. And no disappointment could cancel God's promises. I'm telling you, if we will get this in our minds, this will free us up when we're handed a problematic piece. And we're trying to figure out where it fits. And when we can't figure it out, it doesn't have to devastate us it doesn't have to throw us off course it doesn't have to draw us away from God because our focus is not on the pieces our focus is on the puzzle maker and his providence when when our kid was like I said we love to do puzzles and I brought one today and I just want to tell you the story behind this puzzle this is a puzzle it's it's a kid's movie I'm not I'm not condoning the kid's movie it's a kids movie with a bunch of little yellow guys in it and so you know the kids put this together it was probably um it was probably seven or eight years ago and so they were putting this together and we got down to the end and guess what there's one missing piece let me see if I can see it one missing piece right there and we were just like what in the world God has forsaken us. Where are you, God? We're a very spiritual family. Very dramatic, too, apparently. So we're looking for that peace everywhere. We can't find it. We had given up on finding it until days later, maybe weeks later. I mean, it's my story. Maybe months later. My wife is cleaning up in the kitchen and she looks under one of the cabinets and she sees something. She pulls it out and it's just, it's yellowish and it's all chewed up. It's all, I mean, it's not really even a piece. It's like a chunk of puzzle. And, and she's like, this is the missing piece. And apparently what had happened, and Jace, Jace was a, a crawling little baby at that time. And at some point, a piece had fallen onto the ground. And Jace had found it and said, eh, this looks good. <laughs> and he chewed that piece up till it was basically recognizable. So you know what my wife did? This is genius. She glued that little torn up piece right here in the corner. It didn't fit here anymore, but it's like a blob, a puzzle. You can kind of still see some of the color. She put it right there. And you know what? In, when, when that's a pro, that was a problematic piece for us. We're like, where is the piece? It was a problem. We had, we had to go marriage counseling. I mean, it was, it was a big issue at our house for a while. It was a problematic piece. But you know what? When she found it, she decided to still include it in the puzzle. She said, you know, yeah, we want to remember that. 
because we're going to look back on this someday and we're going to laugh that we were so frustrated. And we're going we're gonna to laugh that it, you know, we were just upset or disappointed. We're going to laugh because now it's a reminder. It's actually, we can laugh at it through therapy. <laughs> we can laugh about it. You know why? It's not because, and Jace was like, oh, dad, he saw me bringing this. He's like, you're not going to talk about me today, are you? I was like, yeah, you're going to be in junior church. You won't care. It's fine. But you know what? You know what it reminds us of? It reminds us of how far Jace has come. See, back then, when this problematic piece came up, Jace was a little baby. He didn't know how to handle the pieces. But now, I mean, I hope not. Jace would not chew up a puzzle piece anymore. And, you know, we look now and actually that problematic piece has become a memory that we can laugh at because it reminds us how far God has brought us through our, brought our family, how much Jace has grown. And it's a fun memory. And I'm not saying that every problematic piece in your puzzle is going to be something that someday you can look back and laugh at. You probably won't. But you can look back on the problematic pieces and it will remind you just how far God has brought you. Amen. It'll remind you... It's going to remind you how faithful he is. It's going to remind you how maybe in those moments you think, man, this is the end of the world. But it really wasn't. God was molding you and growing you and helping you become something you're supposed to be. And if we will, instead of throw in the towel when the problematic pieces arise and say, no, I know the puzzle maker. And if I know the puzzle maker, I know one thing is for sure. He's bigger than the problem pieces. And if I believe the puzzle maker is who he says he is, there's some things about him that I believe, that I know. Number one, he cares about every detail of my life. Number two, he uses everything and he wastes nothing. And number three, everything that comes my way has the sole purpose of God transforming me. Into his image. And if I believe those things, that means that no loss is too big to overcome. No wrong is too great to forgive. And no disappointment can cancel God's promises. I don't know what you've been through, but this room is full of people who've been handed problematic pieces. I just look around the room. It's like people, I know people that have lost jobs. I know people that have been in motorcycle accidents. That was a little specific. I know people that have had heart attacks. I know people that have had wayward children. Some of them sitting back in this room this morning. I know people that have had broken homes. Messy marriages. The death of a child. The loss of his spouse. I mean, health and financial trouble. And I'm telling you, those are problematic pieces. And if you don't focus on the puzzle maker, those things can destroy you. They, they think evil. But you're, you'll assume that they're here to kill you like Joseph's brothers. But if you will simply remember that God is in the details and he can use everything and he has your best in mind at all times, it will allow you to look at the problem pieces and say, no, I'm going to keep my eyes on the picture the puzzle maker is drawing up. Because I know this goes somewhere. And I trust him. 
And therefore, no loss is too big to overcome, no, no wrong is too great to forgive, and no disappointment can cancel God's promises. Some of you in here have put quite the puzzle together. But listen, some of you are still missing a very important piece. Your life is together. Things look really good. But if you never place the piece of Jesus Christ into your puzzle, it'll never be complete. And some of you in this morning, you've come and you know that you're a sinner and you know that there's separation between you and God. Everything else looks really good, but there's a big piece right in the middle that's missing. And Jesus Christ, listen, Jesus Christ is the puzzle piece that fits right in the middle of your puzzle. You can have everything else done, but if that piece in the middle isn't there, your puzzle will never be complete. Let me just tell you this. This morning, he wants to complete your puzzle. And if you will, he's not a problematic piece. Not at all. No, he's the piece that brings the whole puzzle together. And this morning, some of you have come in here, and if you died today, you don't know if you'd spend eternity in heaven. I'm telling you this, you are a sinner, and separation is from God forever, and a place called hell is what you deserve. But Jesus died on the cross for your sins in your place as a substitute. And if you will simply place your faith in Jesus Christ this morning, turn from your sin and look to Jesus, I'm telling you, by faith, he can complete your puzzle this morning. And that piece that you're missing, it doesn't have to stay missing. You can leave today and you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Would you do that today? If, you're, if, you're, if you've come in this morning and your puzzle's not complete, Jesus can complete your puzzle. But Christian, I know we have a lot of people in here that have faced some problematic pieces. Maybe you're facing a problematic piece right now. And you can either focus on the problem and the pain and the loss and the wrong Or you can assume that the puzzle maker can turn those problematic pieces into something that completes your puzzle. Don't get hung up on the pieces you can't seem to fit somewhere because God has a plan. God is providential. He cares about the details. He wastes nothing and uses everything. And he wants to conform you to the image of his son. If you will simply respond correctly to the problematic pieces... He can complete the picture of your life. He wants to. If he can do it for Joseph, I'm telling you this, he can do it for you this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.